Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. Minicoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out Minicoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Minicoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Minicoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today is Friday, May 20th. Just a few announcements before we get to the main subject of today's podcast. As all of you on my email list are aware, I'm in the midst of changing my web hosting provider. And this doesn't necessarily affect the podcast itself directly, which is hosted on a different platform. But all of my show notes post to my website. Of course, my articles post to my website. And during this transition, I've had to stop posting new material other than the show notes, which are intermittently posting to my site until the transition's over. That should be all finished by early next week. It might be finished sometime today. I'm waiting for word from the technicians at Bluehost who are helping me with this. So thank you for your patience to everybody who are regularly regular followers of my newsletter and visitors to my website. I've also completed the first of what will be three courses based on my 2015 book, Where Do Conservatives and Liberals Come From? Part One. I'm in the midst of trying to get back to writing part two as we speak. I've had a draft of chapter six sitting in a folder since 2011, believe it or not. Uh, Most of my 2015 book was finished by 2011, and in fact, I was pitching it to publishers. And in 2014, it again had some interest from the mainstream publishing world, at which point I landed my first ghostwriting job, one of several over the past seven or eight years. And because I had all that work to do, I decided to just self-publish Where Do Conservatives and Liberals Come From in 2015. And really the only new material at that point was in chapter one. And, And maybe here and there, some references that I put in to kind of update the text. But the meat of the book had been written for four years by the time it it was published. So nothing about the core message of the first half of the book is ever going to change. Just putting in some topical things that are a little newer. And I hope to come out with a consolidated version sometime in the next several months. And my Patreon followers 
will uh, probably get the first look at that material. I'll post it to my Patreon before publishing it in book form. I'm also going to make all three courses based on the book available to my Patreon followers. And all of that I hope to launch next week. I had planned on doing this a few weeks ago, as I announced on an earlier podcast, but this whole web hosting thing finally came to a head. Something I expected to have to switch, but it's never a good time to do it. And certainly when I was launching the podcast, that was not the time to change web hosting for my 11-year-old website. So that time is now. So enough of the announcements. I I wanted to talk a little bit today about the recent tragedy that occurred in the city of my birth. I was actually born in Buffalo, not too far from where the shooting happened, in Millard Fillmore Hospital in Gates Circle. They actually demolished that building about a year after I moved back to western New York. I had lived in Florida from 2004 till 2014, and I believe they demolished the building in 2015, which I watched live on YouTube. wasn't exactly sure how to feel about that. But I went to college for my undergraduate work, even closer to where this shooting occurred. Canisius College is right on Main Street where the, what we call the 198, everybody else in the country calls their routes like Route 90, Route 75, Route 95. We call it the 198, the 90. I'm not exactly sure why that is. But right where the 198 hits Main Street, It's less than a mile up the road from my college where Jefferson Avenue hits Main Street. And then this Topps Market is just a block or two in from Main Street. So I'm very familiar with that area. I've been in that Topps back when I went to school there and afterwards. And of course, it's always a tragedy when anyone gets shot. One person, 10 people, A thousand people when the empire bombs somebody overseas, you hate to see innocent people die. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the reaction to it and, of course, the political exploitation of it by, in this case, the Democratic Party, and how different the reaction and exploitation of this tragedy has been from previous mass shootings. Now, in all cases before this, The immediate reaction by the Democratic Party has been to call for more gun control. And I'm not saying that they're not doing that now, but it wasn't the first or the most trumpeted reaction to the shooting. The first thing that was attacked was not the Second Amendment, but the first. The very first reactions I saw on Twitter and elsewhere were accusations against Tucker Carlson for allegedly promoting the kind of ideas that inspired this mentally ill person to commit this crime. Of course, uh, our least impressive elected official in world history, Governor Kathy Hochul, immediately made a statement saying that, among other things, she's calling on media platforms to do a better job of suppressing hate speech. And I just want to point out that the reaction by politicians to any failed policy, and this could be an economic policy, it could be a regulation policy, is always that we just didn't do enough of what didn't work. So obviously there's been a lot of suppression of speech on social media platforms, okay? This has been going on for years. 
people getting kicked off for saying mostly innocuous things, people posting information about COVID-19 that later turned out to be true, kicked off the platforms for spreading disinformation. So like gun control, where only the criminals still have the guns that you don't want people to have because the people who obey laws obey the laws. And if you tell them that they shouldn't have a firearm with more than 10 rounds in the magazine, well, then they comply with that law. This shooter didn't. And I actually read his manifesto. I can't say that I read every word of every page, but I read the first 20 or so pages and kind of started skimming after that. And I read the last few pages. This is where his ideology is mostly contained. And one of the things he said was that he picked the target that he did, knowing that the people wouldn't have more than 10 rounds in a magazine if they were armed at all. So if you want to politicize this and you're a right winger, you could point out that passage in his manifesto and say, see, we told you this lunatic was very aware that the victims would be defenseless. Now, if you're a left winger, there's plenty of racist language in his manifesto. It's really very confused because his overall theme is this whole idea of the replacement of the white race. But somehow or other, he gets to focusing on African-Americans. And it's one thing to just not like African-Americans, okay? But it's another to try and associate them with this whole replacement thing because the African-American population is not getting larger in terms of percentage of the overall population. And he actually says that he doesn't have anything against black people or people of African descent as long as they, quote, stay in their own lands. I shouldn't say, quote, that's a paraphrase. But he does have a problem with them living amongst white people. So if you are somebody who doesn't think that the tremendous amount of immigration that we've had over the last 20 or 30 years is beneficial to the people living here, well, these aren't African-Americans that are immigrating. Not even their ancestors immigrated here. If, if you're going to use the word immigrate, they were brought here against their will, and then they weren't allowed to leave. So this is, of course, a mentally ill person. It really doesn't have to make sense. But to the extent that you're going to try to say that he was acting on some ideology out there, it's very confused. He also, of course, like most people who are neo-Nazi, and he says he is neo-Nazi, but he doesn't belong to any group. He doesn't like Jewish people. And for those members of my audience who share my views, he doesn't like libertarians, or at least he says libertarianism was something that was started by Jews in America. And he points out Ludwig von Mises, Murray Rothbard, Milton Friedman, and even Walter Block. He's got Walter's picture on there, like the nicest person that I can think of that has any kind of political platform whatsoever. So he's got his picture on there, blaming him for libertarianism. As an aside, I'll have Walter on next week. Just happened to be coincidental. I had booked him before I went through this 180-page screed. And the other thing that is throughout his manifesto is that he's very anti-capitalist. He doesn't like Republicans because he sees them as corporatists. Now, of course, that's not free market capitalism, but he doesn't really make any distinction. He's just kind of all over the place. 
he has a section where he poses questions to himself and then answers them. And I guess the best way is just to read a few of these. I suppose that I'll be blamed for giving a platform to some of these ideas, but if we're going to condemn this kind of thing, then we at least know what we're condemning. It says, are you a Christian? No, I do not ask God for salvation by faith, nor do I confess my sins to him. I personally believe there is no afterlife. I do, however, believe in and practice many Christian values. Are you a fascist? Yes, fascism is one of the only political ideologies that will unite whites against the replacers. Since that is what I seek, calling me a fascist would be accurate. Are you a white supremacist? Yes, I would call myself a white supremacist. After all, which race is responsible for the world we live in today? I believe the white race is superior in the brain to all other races. Are you racist? Yes, I am racist because I believe in differences of capabilities between races. Are you intolerant? Sure, the last virtues of a dying nation are tolerance and apathy, and I want none of it. Are you an anti-Semite? Yes, and this yes is in all caps, bolded, and two exclamation points. So obviously, this is the one he feels the strongest about. I wish all Jews go to hell, and hell is in all caps. Jews and hell are in all caps. Go back to hell where you came from, demon, demon in all caps. But in reality, a Jew confined to Judea, where he can't spread his people or beliefs, is of no concern to me. It's important to note that with proper connection to the internet, that is impossible. I don't know what that last sentence is supposed to mean, and I don't want to try and delve into this person's logic too far. But again, you know, he hates Jewish people, but he's okay as long as they stay in their own country. That's his thinking. Are you a neo-Nazi? I support neo-Nazism, but I am not a member of any neo-Nazi groups. You decide what that makes me. Are you a conservative? No. Conservatism is corporatism in disguise. I want no part of it. Are you a homophobe, anti-LGBTQ? Answer, I believe that problems involving the LGB, and then in parentheses he says drop the T, are very insignificant if one is actually part of the LGB or LGB group and they are loyal to their people, that is fine with me. Transgenderism, however, is a mental illness and should be addressed as such. Are you right-wing? Answer, depending on the definition, sure. Are you left-wing? Depending on the definition, sure. Are you a socialist? Depending on the definition, worker ownership of the means of production, it depends on who those workers are, their intentions, who currently owns the means of production, their intentions, and who currently owns the state and their intentions. And it goes on, by living in the U.S., aren't you an immigrant yourself? Yes, and it seems we immigrants seem to bring a whole host of issues. Although the land technically belongs to its native people, the United States now belongs to whites because removing whites from all the United States is impossible. They are simply rooted too deeply into the land. The same thing applies with other white countries that are not in Europe. So he's got a rationalization for why the Senecas shouldn't kick me out and take this land back over, but not for why other people aren't also here too long. By the way, African-Americans, as the New York Times has helpfully reminded us, have been here since at least 1619. So they've been here right from the beginning, 
They didn't come here of their own will, as I said. They weren't allowed to leave, even if they wanted to. So I think even in this guy's thinking that there's this conspiracy to replace us all with non-white people, you know, the African-Americans are the least group to blame along uh, the lines of his thinking. And by the way, I say us, I, I think I'm white. He actually addresses Lebanese people, and even he doesn't give me a straight answer on that. I'm half Lebanese. The NFL considers that a minority, but he says that they're white, but not really. So as you can see, this person does not think clearly. His answers are not consistent. He's a mentally ill person. He certainly has been affected by this ideology called white supremacy. To jump on this and say, look, see, here's proof that we have this big problem with white supremacy. I, I don't think anybody really believes that. Not even a hardcore left Democrat. Personally, I've never met a white supremacist. Now, I've met a lot of communists and socialists, and I have to look hard among the people that I know to find somebody who isn't anti-capitalist. And this guy, by the way, is very anti-capitalist. He says that more than once in his manifesto. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you like to read books as much as I do, there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in. Well, I have great news. Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. You work on the answer, then you quietly save the day. You were right, Mr. Spock, about everything you said. We humans just are logical. But getting back to the subject of the podcast, you can see that this is the focus now. We've got to go out and make sure that people don't say the wrong things. And they're going to use this just like 9-11 was used by the neoconservatives to clamp down on free speech. And of course, the objection is going to be, well, look, nobody's going to suppress legitimate speech, even legitimate political speech that's out of the mainstream we just want to go after people who are racist, like this guy, or bigoted, or what they call preaching hate against, let's say, LBGTQ people or whomever. Well, I have two reactions to that. Number one, people do have a right to say things that we find abhorrent. That's the whole idea about free speech and the First Amendment, to protect people's right to say very controversial things. And I really have to ask anybody here who has actually read this, this disjointed screed or even listened to the portions that I've read, did you find any of them persuasive? 
Do you really believe that, let's say, we allowed Nazis to just preach Nazism on the internet? Which we do, by the way. You can go find them. The sites are all called Stormfront or Storm Center. I'm not exactly sure what the fixation is with the weather, but that's, you know, it's pretty easy to find them. And I think it's not controversial to say that very few people are persuaded by their arguments. But let's just for a moment say that, okay, these ideas are dangerous and that we cannot allow them even to be heard by the general population. Well, what does that say for all these people that preach democracy? I happen to not believe in democracy. I believe in individual liberty. And by the way, the Bill of Rights was written to protect us from democracy. That's the whole idea. But for everybody who does, Elon Musk and all the rest of these status people who preach our democracy as if it's a religion, well, if you believe that these people, a majority of people, could be persuaded by Nazis— then why should they be in charge? Why should the majority get to rule if they're susceptible to these arguments? So chew on that for a while. I'll also point out, by the way, that I mentioned Elon Musk. He is now the subject, his company Tesla, a federal investigation. And now there is a Me Too accusation leveled against him. Boy, it didn't take long after he said he was no longer going to vote Democrat for those things to appear. And again, if a majority of people actually believe that suddenly Elon Musk, his relationships with women or whomever he's accused of not treating appropriately, that these are genuine accusations or this federal investigation is over some legitimate issue that didn't exist before he made his attempt to acquire Twitter. Well, again, there's another argument against democracy. Really, how gullible can you possibly be? But overall, I think this is very dangerous, and it's very telling that the first reaction against this shooting was not even against guns. Now, of course, the left will never give up in its quest to disarm every American if they can do it, or to the extent that they can do it. But it wasn't their first reaction this time, and that's a sign of the times. The first reaction is... We have to clamp down even more on speech. And just like after 9-11, where it was the conservatives doing exactly the same thing, we have this terrific tragedy and we have to take away your civil liberties or somebody's going to do something like this again. Well, again, here we have the left now doing exactly what all of us said way back in 2001, 2, 3, Someday this war on terror is going to be turned against us. And when I said us, I didn't mean conservatives because I'm not a conservative. I meant against the American people. But it is supremely ironic that the attack on civil liberties is now focused on the right, the very people who attacked them after 9-11. And for left-wingers out there, don't think that this isn't going to swing your way as well. So every new incursion into our freedom that you support because it harms your political enemies today, that's going to be turned back on you in the future. You can bet on it. And this is the problem with the kind of reaction that politicians have and people are all too ready to support. You get this We have to make sure this never happens again. Well, that's a utopian idea. And the only way that you can possibly even attempt to do that is by punishing the innocent. 
So racist or not, when some mentally ill person shoots up a school or a supermarket or some other public place, disarming 330 million innocent people has no grounding in justice. It completely contradicts the Fifth Amendment, which says that no one shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And due process of law does not mean pass a law taking away their liberty. It means prosecuting them for a crime. So no, you don't get to disarm innocent people because one guilty person committed a crime. So number one, there's no justice in that. Number two, it's never going to work. The weapons that this shooter had, I think he might have modified them illegally, but the laws in New York State are among the strictest in the nation, and everything that he did was illegal, and the weapon that he had in the form that it had after he modified it was also illegal. It didn't stop him, but as you notice, there weren't too many people shooting back at that tops. So whether or not the actual victims of this crime would have been carrying firearms had they been easier to obtain is something we'll never know. But certainly they had no chance to arm themselves similarly to this lunatic because of the laws of the state. All right, folks, that's all I want to say about this. I was kind of conflicted about whether to talk about it at all because I don't like politicization of these kinds of things. But I thought I just should point out how stark the difference is in the reaction to this shooting from any other one that I can remember in the past, how the focus has been against free speech even more than against the right to keep and bear arms. So as I said before, next week, I've got a couple of great interviews coming up. Mario Balaban from Project Veritas is going to stop by and talk about some of the latest videos that they've released. The one from the senior engineer at Twitter talking about how we're all communists in here. And I'll also have Walter Block on to talk about some of the academic work he's done about the resistance to freedom, the the logic of it, and you know why it is that it's so hard to sell ideas with such a demonstrably successful record. When you look around the world, everywhere that's become more capitalist, for instance, poverty has gone down. In no case has a country become more socialist and has poverty gone down. So why are more people not on board with a free market and free trade? Walter has a very interesting take on this. He's done academic work with colleagues about this, and I'm really looking forward to that conversation. So everybody enjoy your weekend. And if you haven't already, as I always say, subscribe to this podcast. If you're listening to it on my website, then you can get it delivered directly to your iPhone or Android phone. It's up on all platforms. You just click the plus sign or add or whatever your particular podcast app requires you to subscribe. And also download a free copy of my ebook, It's the Fed Stupid. Learn about our monetary system because all this chaos going on in the stock markets, in the economy, as I've said many times, people like to blame presidents and elected officials and they never help. They never make things better. They do do some damage, but the ultimate damage is done by the Federal Reserve System. This is just another boom-bust cycle that's coming to an end. This bust is going to be particularly painful Learn about it by going to itsthefedstupid.com and downloading a free copy of my ebook. 
And if you like the music you've heard here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you on Monday. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.